unmarried. But if you have the unmarried there and the married there, the Bible actually believes that they are there and that there are gradations between. You don't just jump from being unmarried one day and you just get married like that. No, there are gradations in between. In fact, in the Bible, you do talk about you have courtship, people that were espoused to someone. They weren't quite married yet. This is why Joseph's stuff and Mary was a scandal, because they weren't married. She was just espoused to him, and so now she's pregnant. So we have engagement, all of those things. The question is, how did the person even get engaged? Was there any faith before they got engaged? Well, you say, ah, that's very simple now. Arrange marriage. You want that. You really do. Some people have tried it before. Some it worked for them. Some it didn't work. But really, I don't think that is an option that a lot of us are willing to take. You see, every culture has had their way of accounting for the relationship phase that's not marriage, but is heading towards, maybe heading towards it. So in that vein, I don't believe that the Bible forbids dating. I don't believe it forbids it. If I may even say it like this, the Bible will basically say dating is inevitable. It's just an inevitability for, most, for a lot of people uh, in this time. So what's most important is not whether you date. It's how you date if you are dating. But I think we should then try to, let, let's have a working definition of what dating is. Because again, it depends on what you call it. So let's have a working definition of what dating is. So let me give one definition, at least definition I'm going to be using here. Dating, by dating I mean a serious relationship between two individuals that's more romantic than a friendship, but is less binding than marriage. All right? A serious relationship between two individuals, it's more romantic than friendship, but is less binding than marriage. Now, the thing with that definition is you don't have to be a Christian to subscribe to it. Right? It's, it's, it will work for both people who are Christians and not and people who aren't Christians. But if we bring a Christian lens, a Christian worldview to that thing, then our understanding of what dating should be, it's much more deepened. And then how we should conduct ourselves in a dating relationship becomes very, very important. So if you're here and saying, okay, I'm dating someone, but I need to know how we can do so in a Christian way. Well, that's what this talk is about. So on that, I want us to think about three things, purposeful dating, bounded dating, and useful dating. Purposeful dating, bounded dating, and useful dating. So let's start with the purposeful dating thing. Now remember, the Bible does take romance to be a very serious thing. And since dating is not stated explicitly in the Bible, it's not an explicit option like, oh, okay, before you are married, thou must date. There's no such thing as that. So if dating is not explicitly stated in the Bible, and yet your romantic feelings, um, you know, the Bible shows that those things matter, then if you are dating, if you bring in this new thing that the Bible doesn't forbid, then it must be that it must be a means to an end and not an end in itself. In other words, it must be potentially leading somewhere, and that somewhere is marriage. Now, I'm not saying that the first day you guys go out, as you start your relationship, the very first day you have to start talking about, you know, when are we going to get married. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, do not enter a relationship with someone you don't seriously believe you can marry. 
You see, remember the sequence, if you follow how we've gone with the, uh, the talks. You have to be fulfilled. You have to be preparing. The person who is secure in Christ and doesn't need somebody else to complete them, but desires that, and the person who is preparing themselves, you know, someone told me about those tools that we're talking about for those who are searching. Well, you can apply those tools to yourself, isn't it? So if you are preparing as a fulfilled person, and now you are searching appropriately, it will not make sense that, before, that by the time you enter a relationship with this person, that you are using this as a way to just even discover whether or not this person is of marriageable qualities or not. Before then, you should have known if you follow the sequence properly. So the dating then becomes a means through which you can, this, this person that I think I could marry, I want to discover more whether this person, it becomes a means of confirmation, if you like. Don't use your, the relationship to be your first port of call in searching for the right married partner. It should be the place where you are searching deeper. Amen? In this vein, purposeless dating relationships is not Christian. Just isn't. By that, I mean this. If you are going out with someone, and by going out, I don't mean that you guys just go out. I mean you're in a relationship. If you're going out with someone, and the purpose for going out with that someone is, I'm just being with the person that I like so much without any strings attached. You are not. You are sinning, basically. Because this does not go with how the Bible defines these kinds of romantic relationships. In other words, it should be heading somewhere because there's no category for Femi likes Tosin. So they should be in a relationship, a romantic relationship together. Why? Because they like each other. What is it? Now, I'm saying that, uh, look, don't worry. The problem with these kinds of things is that you have done your own. Then you now, now you're now married. You're not telling people. Because I dated a lot of this kind of... This kind of non-Kenyan relationships. But I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian then. That's my excuse. But this kind of, well, we're just doing it because we just like each other. There's no string attached. There's nothing we, you start, so many lines start becoming so blurred. My sister is getting married. So you should be there. Why should I be there? Because you are my girl. So? And then you'll be like, I need some kind of external authority to be able to let her know objectively that she has to be there. And you start searching the Bible. There's no place in the Bible. Because there's nothing that defines clearly this dating relationship that is there. It is not marriage. It's not heading towards marriage. It's just a thing on itself that it becomes this structure that can bring two people together that like each other, but they don't want any big strings attached. Purposeless dating isn't Christian. Ideally, when you want to enter a relationship with someone, ideally, it is already an unofficial engagement. It's an unofficial engagement, which is why you have to take it very seriously. So I'm going to ask some of you here who are already in relationships, you need to discern now whether the person you are dating is a commitment-phobic person or your relationship is purposeless. So here are a few danger signs, signals. All right, a few danger signals. Thank you. Wake up. <laughs> All right, so do they say something like, you want to, this at the start, this at the start. Why don't we start this relationship and see where it may 
take us. Let me ask you something. Virtually everyone here, most of us are in work or you just finished school. But you that work, right? That you work. Do you get up on Monday morning and go into your car, start the car, put on the engine, put the gear, and like, let's just see where this car is just going to take us. Who enters the car and just goes anywhere? Even the people that have uh, children, one of the things that babies, if you want babies to sleep, right? Like, like, like when our, our, our son, he used to just sleep in a car. So if I go and I'm driving, you see me just driving around Lekki. You think I is purposeless, but no, I'm trying to get the boy to sleep. You don't just do that. That's driving. How much more putting your heart and your, your feelings into something, and at the outset, you have already, the person has said, commit that thing, oh, but we don't know where it's going. Let's just go. Fly with the wind. Or, second, after dating for a while, they say, I don't want to talk about it. Ah. Once, you know, once something in your relationship starts becoming it, you, know, you don't want to say the thing because the thing causes something, so you just say it. But we know what the it is. It's what? Marriage. I don't want to talk, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it now. Ah. Why do you always, why do I, we were having a good time. Because normally it happens when you guys have gone for a movie. You know, you go for a movie. Look, guy, if you are not ready to talk about marriage, don't take her for a rom-com. It's, it's not good. Don't go for a romantic movie. So you're not going romantic movie. Yeah, he's telling yeah, Obina is telling you. Don't, 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 don't. It's not good. Experience, is, is it? Okay, all right. You didn't buy the popcorn. And now you guys don't buy two bowls, you know. Two medium, why? Buy one lad. First of all, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. But second, you know, pa, pa. Then after, eh, You did all of that one. As you now enter the car, she now says, ah, you know, it would be nice if we, this thing could be more, ah, I don't want to talk about the guy. You don't want to talk about it. Why did you then go for the movie and bought it? You shouldn't have done that. In other words, the way she was feeling then, with all of that that was going on, something inside her says, this isn't the end of it. So that's why with, the, with all of that fantastic activity that was going on, there is a need to complete it, and that's why it naturally moves to the conversation moves there. And then you want to now cut it off and say, no, 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 we don't want to talk about it. Or we can talk about it later. Let, let's talk about it later. But you know what that is, kicking the can down the road. When you come three days after, at least I've waited later. Later. Three days. You gave me three days. I said, I said later. So you wait one week. Is it that you are, you bring it, is, that, is it that you are deaf? Didn't I say later? So this one, you now wait one month. There's no problem. As in, I wouldn't even bring it up. If at any time you see any movie that they are marrying, you change the channel because you said later. You now bring it one month, and the guy now says, babes, maybe I need to spell it for you. L-A-T-E-R. Do you know what later means? To which you then say, I know what it means. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> Because later never ever comes. Later is just a way of just, they're keeping the relationship going. They don't want to talk, confront this very important conversation. And he keeps saying later, they keep posting you over and over again. It's not like you have become, you're not nagging, but you're saying, we have to talk about this. Particularly if you've been dating for a reasonable amount of time. Then you have this one where the relationship is just prolonged unnecessarily. 
But when they do it, they do it in a way that doesn't seem like, you know, you're you kept in the loop. So they, they start, um, oh, that's not the right, oh, is that the, no, no, no. Ah, I've skipped, sorry. They deliberately avoid your family, ah, this one, you know this one. They deliberately avoid your family member. You're like, hey, talk to my sister. Ah, what is that? I've told her about you. Okay. Talk to her. Okay. Or I think we should. It's, well, don't you think it's time to meet my mom? Mm, you go for the burial of uh, her, her grandma, and so she now wants to take you to go and meet the mom. Always avoiding family members. You know why? They don't want to. You know, if, I, if, I, if I go and meet the family member now, she will now start thinking, or he will start thinking that I'm trying to say something. Duh. Yes. You've been dating for two and a half years. Plus, also, you know, when it's with her, you feel like if I. If she's the only one keeping me accountable, it's fine. I can always explain or whatever. By the time now you now start meeting someone's mom, you start meeting the sister, you start, so it now becomes a problem. How do I, those people are, in some sense, they are keeping you accountable. So you want to kind of hedge, you know, put all of these people away from you so that it's just you and her, or it's just you and him. Then you start getting to these more manipulative ones. Four, a deliberately prolonged relationship maintained with words that keep you hoping, like this. I know I'll arrive there. I know I'll arrive there someday. You just keep praying. Like this one, eh, he's not saying later. The later has come. It's finally, you know, because how long can you keep saying later? Eventually, because ridiculous. So now be like, you know what, babes? I, I'll arrive there. I just know it. All I just need you to keep praying for me. Or you see the problem. You see the problem is not with. It's not. The problem is with me. You are, you are so perfect, it's not you, it's me. Just keep praying for me, I'll get there. And you'll be like, ah, man, this person is, is at least he's thinking about it, you know. He's, at least he's not saying I'm the problem. Because you've looked at yourself, you've, you've changed, you know, you've changed the, the, the lipstick you are using. You are using a, a Max Factor before, but now you stepped up to... I only know Max Factor. All right, all right, okay. Uh, so, uh, but you stopped up to Lancome. Oh, yeah, you see. You see. Is that right? You are using um, Revlon on your, your skin before. You know, it's not so bad, but he, he, he look at, is this guy complaining? So he, you get L'Oreal because you're worth it. Uh, they, some of them didn't catch that one. They have not started using L'Oreal, that's the reason why. So you're still thinking it was you, but the guy now says, no, babes, I'm the problem. Hey, if you are the problem, why don't you just get up and leave? No, but he still wants to maintain. So he gives you a little bit of hope. I'll get there. I'll arrive there someday. He says he's the problem, but he never really states what that problem is or states what he's doing to get rid of that problem. Many times people fall for this because hope sometimes is like a drug. You keep hoping and you keep hoping. You keep overlooking because you think this thing will work someday. And there's even the more intentionally manipulative ones. Very vague statements. That this one, you now think you're even heading for marriage. You know you'll make a fantastic mother. You know, you'll you make a fantastic, I'll make a, does that, a fantastic, maybe. And then he now adds it. I just want, I want you to be the mother of my kids. Now, first of all, if he says that you know you make a fantastic mother, 
Uh, you know, you're a woman, you have a uterus, you have, you, know, you can make a fantastic mother. That doesn't make you his wife. I want you to be the mother of my kids. Excuse me, there's something called baby mama. It doesn't mean that you are married. But the person throws out those vague, uh, those vague statements there to just keep you in. I want to grow old with you. Just so old. Touch your wrinkles. Smoothing it with, you know? And you, huh? I can see some guys. Some guys here have said this thing. You know, some of you. Again, what does that mean? If he wants to grow old with me, that means there's something that has to keep us together in our old age. Maybe, maybe. So the problem is that you're always in the place of maybe. There is nothing worse in a relationship, a long-term relationship, like uncertainty. It's such a horrible thing. I meet many ladies, again, because guys were the masters of it. I meet many ladies, and you're asking them, so where is this thing? And I'm like, and we are, what, what we're doing is, OK, have you guys any date or anything? Well, we're thinking that maybe around 2000, and it's like, she's in a place of uncertainty. And when you want to bring it up, that's when they now start trying to avoid it. From such people, keep away. I want to give you a personal example. Um, my wife and I started dating, and we got to the point where it was like, it was two years plus. Two years, she's going to kill me now, because like, you're using me as an example again. So this time I was in UK, she visited. And I was running, I was, um, I was, I was doing my PhD at the time. And so she came around, and I calculated that the best time to get married was let me finish. When I finish, I'll have a job, and da 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 But we had been dating for like two plus years. And you know, everything was going as well as can be. So we get into the it marriage. Now, I wasn't trying to avoid it. I knew that once I started dating her, that was it. This was the person I wanted to marry. So I wasn't avoiding it, so, but I spent enough time explaining to her. This was 2009. Yes, 2009. I spent enough time, late 2009, I spent enough time, about two hours, three hours, explaining to her the trajectory and why the best time for us to get married was in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> We've been dating for two years. Now, you know, if, as some of the people in church know, if you meet me for a little bit of an argument, I, I can talk my own into something. So my wife, she left it. Um, and she reasonably agreed. In fact, I remember coming, speaking to my parents. Tosi and I, we spoke on 2012, da-da-da-da, and all of that. That was, that was like no, um, September 2009, September or, or October 2009. One time in November, or late November, early December, I get a phone call. Hi, hey, but how are you doing? Fine. Um, you know this 2012 thing? Well, you said that's where I go to get married. I said, yes. said, well. That is too long for me. And if you insist on 2012, then I just know that I need to go and look for somebody else. My whole world was just rocked. But she was like, I can't, I can't hold, put my life on hold like this. What are we going to be doing? It's better we just break this thing up now. We got married in 2010. <laughs> in fact, we got, married, we got married five months after. We made it, I made it work. We finished the PhD together. You know, it was, I wasn't going to lose her. When I look back at it, I'm like, what would we have been doing? 
I knew, I knew I wanted to marry her. She knew she wanted to marry me. We had put ourselves account, we had, we had made ourselves accountable. We had everything. Yes, we did, I didn't have money like that, and all, but we were going to find a way. At least she could work. You know, if I wasn't, I was doing part-time work whilst I was running myself. We could find a way to work. What was, what was I looking, waiting for? One thing she had, the problem is if I said 2012, she didn't really have certainty. How can you project three years from now? I meet people that say, they don't even want to talk about marriage for the first three years. It's very simple. If you're not going to talk about marriage for the first three years, then don't enter into a relationship now. Because what are you going to be doing in between? Which brings me to something that's quite important. Because if you are having people, look, look, some of these guys, eh, and some of the other, maybe a few women, when they don't do this, they are, they, the big problem is commitment phobia. They're commitment phobic. That is, some of them, eh, they just don't know how to commit because I remember someone saying, ah, he's like, hey, I like Eba. I love Eba. I really do. But sometimes I like fried rice. Sometimes I like jollof rice. The problem with marriage is that I can't be, it's like eating Eba every single day of my life. Some people, they're like, the moment I lock into this thing, that's it, variety, because variety is the life. The spice is just taken away. So there's that. Some people is that they just don't know how to commit. They're so scared. Like, if I, if I lock this in, I, so you're not telling me that I can't look at any other man or any other woman again. So what they do is this. They are trying to hedge their bets. They're hedging their bets that they don't commit because they feel, still feel like, what if the real person that God has for me? Because you know your head, it has for sometimes. What if there is somebody out there that doesn't have that? Right now, I've not found that person. But I don't also want to be alone. So I'm going to keep you until hopefully I find that person. That's what they're doing to you. All this talk about, Meh. if somebody's really into you, they bet their lives with it, they bet their future with it, and give you that certainty. Now again, as I said, you don't get to this point without the first three. You should have been someone fulfilled in Christ. You should be preparing and you should be searching properly, all right? Now, this brings me to something else about Christian dating, which is boundaries. Now, please answer these questions. I'm going to ask you five questions. Just answer yes or no. Have you ever known a nation that's prospered without geographical boundaries? Have you ever known a good painting without a frame with boundaries? Have you ever known a peaceful residential estate without world boundaries? Have you ever known a football game, a true genuine football game, without pitch boundaries? Have you ever known a close family that don't have boundaries? That is their house or whatever. Have you ever known that? Notice that all the conditions I gave you here about these things is I'm giving you flourishing conditions. The nation that is prosperous, the family that is close, the good painting, the football match, all of these are flourishing conditions. And yet all of them have boundaries. There is a notion that we have quite often about freedom that says freedom is the absence of boundaries. That's a lie. Because it depends on how you think about freedom. There's such a thing as negative freedom and there's a thing as positive freedom. Negative freedom is the freedom from something. Positive freedom is the freedom to something. Negative freedom only exists because of positive freedom. In other words, take the Israelites. God said through Moses to Pharaoh, 
let my people go, negative freedom, so that they can go and worship me in the wilderness, positive. That is, you come out of bondage for the purpose of something. Something is keeping you in bondage. You want to come out of it so that you can be truly who you are meant to be, positive freedom. Do you understand me? Okay, let me give another example. I often use this. Everybody in City Church will know this one. If you say I don't like people telling me what to do and how I should live my life and whatever, let's take the, the road, on uh, Lagos Road, for example. Why did they install that traffic light there? I don't like a machine telling me to go or not to go. <laughs> machine. Okay. They will see. And then there are other people like you that do the same thing. Because this machine is curbing my freedom. I want to go now. It's telling me not to go. I don't feel free. Okay. So let's remove the traffic lights so that you are free. Immediately after you remove the traffic light, you start finding out another kind of bondage. You know what it's called? Traffic. Will you be free then? No. The restriction is brought with the traffic light so that eventually the roads are not clogged so that we can all be able to go. Do you understand? We need the freedom to be able to move. So we have to have a restriction sometimes. So when you want to talk about freedom and restrictions, you shouldn't talk about the absence of restrictions. Freedom is the ability to thrive under the right restriction. The problem with slavery was not the fact that there were restrictions. The problem with slavery is that it was a bad restriction. Something that restricted people because of the color of their skin. That is an unjust law. You cannot be free or you cannot flourish under that. But if you say, the world is my canvas. I don't need any frame. I just want to paint throughout the whole world. You will be painting from now till thy kingdom come. You won't finish. If you have a football match without a referee and without any kind of rules, what will happen? People will be injured anyhow. You need some laws to be able to have the game go on. Do you understand me? And so when it comes to relationships, if you do not have the right boundaries, you will not flourish in the right way. The question you should be asking is, should there not that whether there should be boundaries, is what are the right boundaries? When God says, do not... That is a very, very wonderful news to you. Every time God says, don't do this, it is only, one, it's to honor him because he's truly God, but two, it is also for you to enjoy your freedom. It's not just constraining you. So we go to God to define the boundaries. Boundaries are not religious, if you believe religious in a bad way. Actually, boundaries are for you to have freedom. So let me give you Four, uh, five bound, uh, four boundaries that, that uh, the Bible gives us. Now, I want to say this is built around this, that except you have a full one flesh union, and by that I mean marriage, it has to be legal. Before it's spiritual, romantic, loving, all of that. Legal and public, except you have that, the boundaries come to say, look, don't express or don't reflect the unity that has not yet been made legal and public. Don't start to reflect that in your dating relationship. So with that, I want to mention four boundaries, okay? If you want a good relationship that honors God and will work for you long term, think of these four. First one, sexual boundaries. Sexual boundaries. Most of you know that one. Like, ah, hey, now we've always been taught that. Sexual boundaries. That is sexual activity. The Bible says flee sexual immorality, isn't it? 
When I say I understand that no sex, no, I'm not just talking about sex. I didn't say sexual, sex. Sexual activity. Say, so, okay, so that means no touching. No, it's not just that. So let me define what sexual activity is for you. Yeah, so that there will be no doubt. Sexual activity is any act with the body that sexually arouses or responds to sexual arousal performed outside of the confines of a legal married union. Now, listen to that. You say a lot of words. I will break it down for you. This means anything from first base to the last base. Okay, let me even make it even clearer for you. No kissing. If you are dating and you are kissing, is wrong. You say, no, 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 no. Now, remember the definition. The definition says, one, no activity that sexually arouses. You say, I wasn't when I started kissing. Okay, response to sexual arousal. Was the person aroused when, you, when they started the thing? And you, you are responding to it. You say, no. You say, no, but anytime I'm kissing, I'm not, I'm not aroused. <laughs> to which I always ask the question, okay, no, no problem. When you were kissing, should be your hands were in your pocket, Abby. I have never met anybody who is really engaging in, you know, I'm not, not, that, they, that their hands are just like this. Yeah. You know that when you are kissing with your mouth, mouth to mouth, but your hand wants to grab something else. Because you are aroused. You know that this is not the end game. And when the Bible is saying, look, if you just say the Bible is talking about penetrative sex, then you can't ban homosexual activity. Because, yes, I, I'm not, I don't want to be very explicit for you, but if two men come together or two women come together, they don't do the same thing that one a man and woman come together. Do they, they do. Do you understand that? If it arouses sexual activity or responds to sexual arousal, it is sexual activity. And you say, ah, oh, oh, now this is being, uh, this is being a cake. This is, a, yeah. And in fact, the Bible does not say that kissing is not. Is, well, first of all, I've given you a, a, a no, I've not given you verse by verse. But the most sexual book in the Bible is which one? Huh? Do we do we all agree? How does it open? What is the first thing it says? Let, what's the first thing it says in the whole book? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful. Your love is better than what? Why? And that, no, no, it was just uh, platonic. Kiss me. Don't stop. Stop being naughty. Hmm? You're just being nasty when you say that. Now, here's the point. You say, but, but this is just too restrictive. No, it's not. It is a restriction that ultimately protects you. I'm not giving you the slippery slope argument. Not, you know what the slippery slope argument is? That if you start kissing, then that's going to lead to touching. And if you start touching, then that's eventually going to lead to sex. I, I know people. Eh? They've been in relationships. They are able to hold it. They don't go to sex. Or some will say, ah, by the time you start having sex, you'll get pregnant. <laughs> There's something called condom. There's something called the pill. Right? There are people that have been having sex since. Oh, if you, if you have sex, you are going to get AIDS. Can, can we stop that? This is juvenile. People have been doing these things. I'm not, so I'm not talking about it will live there. Even though I would say that so many of the people that say it will never live there, it always does live there. But I'm saying, no, don't think about it that way. Think about it this way. When you start sexual activity, you are coming in some kind of union. You are reflecting a union that isn't already there yet. It has to be legal. It has to be public. And God is saying, and I've met so many people, why do you think many women cannot break up with abusive men? 
They've given so much of themselves. When you come together, the union that is happening sexually is not just sexual. It is spiritual. It's emotional. And it's not just that easy to break up. And the Bible is saying this. In order to secure yourself, your emotional stability, your spiritual stability, before you get into that, let the person put his money where their mouth is. Let them commit themselves. The only price that someone, a human being, can put upon you is their own life. If you don't think you are that worthy, then, then maybe something's wrong with you. When somebody signs on the dotted line, they are saying the price, the price to have you is myself. So if you want a good dating relation that honors God but eventually works for you long term, have that sexual boundary. Second boundary. I call this one the submission boundary. The Bible says this, women submit to men. Huh? What did he say? Please, how many of you have glasses? Read it. Okay, wives submit to husbands. Right? No. Because if that is the case, then Tedo's wife should submit to me. I'm a husband, she's a wife. He said, wives submit to what? Your own husbands. I have met some... Some ladies like this, the guy will call, where are you? Come right here now. And she's leaving. They are not married. What? Like, I'm trying to practice how to submit. No, 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 At this point, you guys, it's not. You are dating. You are dating. The, 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 the confines, there, there is a reason why it calls for that submission, first of all, in this union. Because when you read what marriage is, Marriage is the coming together of two people for one mission. If you read in the beginning, it says the man was united to his wife. But when God created him, he said, let them um, be fruitful and what? Multiply, replenish the earth. And God blessed them. In other words, God gave them a mandate. The mandate can only come, a mission, a mandate. The mandate can only be fulfilled when the two of them were united. When you guys have not been united, you don't have any mission together yet. You may be contemplating a mission together, but you don't have any. And when you, if you are contemplating a mission together, you have to work well together. And so people have to play different roles. So in one, one is the leading role and the other one submits. Do you understand that? But until that unity has happened, please go, no, 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 no. It's not you guys can talk about things, influence one another, but then you don't start trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm submitting, or someone will say, if I, if I don't, he's not going to be pleased. And if he's not going to be pleased, then, you know, I may lose him. Look, listen to me. If he needs you to please him by submitting to him, then he's got inferiority issues. Don't please him. Ditch him. Do you understand? And if you're that kind of guy here, please, if you are doing that kind of thing, see me after this talk. We have a deliverance session planned. Third, economic boundaries. This usually happens, I'm seeing this happening with older, more mature singles. Are these people that are more established and have been 35? They started dating and they started buying property together. Please, don't purchase or own things of significant, things, uh, of significant worth together. Again, this may seem very trite. What's there? It's better, you know, we're doing it in anticipation. Some people are even doing it so that they can secure. The person, forget it. Some people, when they are married, they already, when they are married, they bought things together. There's something called divorce that helps you split that. 
So don't think you are going to secure the person and the person won't go because you bought stuff together. But that's not even the main point. Remember, this, these things that I'm talking about, they should be expressions of a unity that already exists. You don't do them to bring about that unity. If somebody is so into you and wants to have all of these things with you, then it's very easy. Put a ring on it right on the dotted line. That's when we know. Because that is when you are held most accountable to you make vows. Not vows that you are making to her in the heat of, you know, some kind of erotic uh, apex. And, you, you know, when at that point, everybody promises everything. Even you see a woman dancing one way. You just, look, Herod said he saw this woman dancing, the daughter. And he said, what do, what do you want? Anything, even half of my... You may say stupid things when Johnny is thinking. If you really want to know someone that wants to be held accountable for all these lofty promises that they're making, let them do it publicly and legally. And the final one is geographical boundaries. After sexual boundaries, this one is now is the bigger problem. What do I mean by this? Please don't move in with each other. Don't. Too many people now. It's not, and it even starts very, very little. It's not, um, you didn't get up one day, just, oh, I often go to his house. So the first time, what happened was, ah, it was too late, it was raining, so I slept on the couch. No, he slept, he slept on the couch, I slept in the room. Otherwise, I can't sleep with, I don't like sleeping with my, I can't sleep with jeans and all that. So I asked him for his big, his big shirt. You know, it's always so romantic, you know, it's extra large, but I'm just kind of swimming in there, you know. But that was it. No, no, it was the rain. It was the rain. It was the rain. So you now go. Two weeks later, it happens again. Ah, again. Ah, you know, it's, no, it wasn't rain. It wasn't rain. It was, there could have been a lion outside. I don't know. You know, there, there can be many things outside. So it now happens three days in a row. And you just say, ah, your shirts are big, but I think, I, let me bring, I have three sets of pajamas. Why don't I put one of them? just in case all of these things always happen. So it starts with pajamas. Then after it starts, you keep going there. You know, but, ah, now wow, the way this guy eats, it's not really good. Let me shop for a thing and cook food for us together. So now we have dinner together while my uh, pajamas is also there. Just what? And you are not doing it. You had no intention. It was in case. And so now you have dinner together and then you know, um, you don't have a car, but he's such a generous guy. He lends you his car most times. He lends you his car. You move around. He has his own, his own work keeps him in the office. So then at the end of the day, you go and pick him, and you have to drop him up. But sometimes the problem is how do you pick him in the morning and whatever? So eventually you just, you just stay and... So like, what's even there, self? What was even there? I, I don't think the Bible is even clear about this thing, self. The Bible is not even clear. It's all these religious people. And then you move it. Now, most people that are living together, look, whether they want to prove that, how do you know, whatever, most people that are living together are sleeping together. It's not sleeping, they are sleeping together. They, it was, oops, ah, how did this happen? You know, that kind of, it was, it was, it was, it was cold, it was, you know, they didn't even know. <laughs> Your legs are fine, no, wow. <laughs> that was, I said her legs were fine, it became blank, and I don't know what happened. She was, 
Because, you know, there's no one to hold it. Everything is. The moment was so right. Okay. But let's even say they were not. Let's even say they were not. When the Bible says the two shall become one, the one flesh union, when it said Adam knew his wife and they gave birth to his son, the two shall become one. What did it say after that? It said, so shall a man do what? Leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife. It was a spiritual union, a legal union, a public union, a geographic union, an economic union. It's a full-blown union. When we cross many of these boundaries, what we are doing is that we are tearing the whole plan of God apart. When God wanted to bring all of these things together so that you can be fully united and be on God's mission, we start to do piecemeal. I want this one. It becomes like an a la carte or a, book, a, a buffet. I want this one. Bring this one together. And so what then happens is when you take two of those ones and then you start, like, at least I'm not, I'm not breaking this one. And then you now break up. That's why some people, it takes them two years, three years. I know a couple uh, in, in, in uni, my uni days, they were so sexually act active, so sexually active. Today, the guy is married. This is their relationship be like almost 20 years now. It's not that she hasn't, not, it's not just that she hasn't gotten married. She cannot get married. I mean, she works for one of the biggest banks in the world. She doesn't live here. You know, she's successful by every stretch of imagination. She sees a shrink. She's been diagnosed with depression, all manner of things. On a month before he got married, when she found out he got married, she called him. They had not been together for seven years. She called him and said, is there still a chance between you and I? When you are making these, these ties, there is a whole lot more that is going on. So when God puts these boundaries there, it's not because God is a, the ultimate party pooper. Who created sex for heaven, for crying out loud? All of these things is God that created them. God is saying, when you follow my rules, you will see that these restrictions I'm putting here is for you to be able to enjoy true freedom later. Amen? Amen. So if you really want to date the Christian way, put these boundaries there. Put these boundaries there. And now the final thing. If you put those boundaries there, useful dating. Dating then can be really useful. If you are purposeful from the outset and you respect God's boundaries, there are a number of things you could use dating for. So, for instance, through this kind of dating, you can get to know each other even better. That is, now you are discerning the person's strengths and flaws because you guys talk a whole lot more together, you meet much more together, all of those things. Remember before, when you were searching, you were already doing that. But now you're with the person, you are able to see a whole lot more. You can see the person's strengths better and the person's flaws. Hopefully, as you are dating too, you can get to know each other's strongly held beliefs more. Don't get fooled. What people believe matters though. Before you know it, you have a child. Your wife does not believe that he should be circumcised. Your husband believes. Both of you have the religious views about it. It can cause problems. One says the baby can baptize. The other one says no. The other one says I want to go and take him to be delivered from this place. The other one, if you take my child there, if you take my child there, you have to start knowing your strongly held beliefs. Love doesn't conquer all. <laughs> Seriously. It's important. Don't be a prisoner of your single dating moment. If you are going to be married, most of us here, your married life is going to, you, you will spend more of your whole lifetime being married than being unmarried. 
Third, you can get more acquainted with each other's families, friends, and church. That's important. Start knowing your crazy mother-in-law. It's good to get an early start. <laughs> and, well, she, she has her own friends. I have my own friends. Usually, that's a disaster. I'm not saying that her best friend must become your best friend. In fact, most times, the best friend gets a little bit annoying and irritating. But I'm saying those people matter to her. Those people matter to him. They, those guys stood with him in, in tough times. You can't just say because now he's, he, you, are, you are there, then he must always, you are, you, we have to be BFFs as well. No, get to know those people because the more you get to know them, you know about him a little bit more. Those people unearth a part of him that you've not seen before. In your dating relationship, you can know that. And then go get to know the church because one of the decisions, and the fourth one is, well, let me not talk about that. Get to know each other's church as well. Like, hey, is it the church you go to? <laughs> Sorry, Baba, I'm not doing this. I didn't know. If you, believe, if you go to that church and you believe that, what else do you believe? You know, the other thing funny is that as you get to know people more, closer, as you get to know people closer, you get to know yourself even more. How you react to someone you love when the person, like, I never thought anybody could get under my skin. I never thought anyone could get under my skin until somebody that you really love gets under your skin and be like, I'm never, I'm not, often my wife and I was saying, can I say this one? No, all right, okay. My wife is violent, she's violent, with me. <laughs> only with me, only with me. And I often tell her, I'm like, babes, she says I'm annoying. She says I'm the most annoying person in the whole world. She said that all these people in church, they don't know all of this thing. I'm like, baby, they can't all be wrong and you are right. <laughs> So occasionally I do a few things that get under her nerves, and you know, she resorts to violence. I'm like, maybe you can't resort to violence. She said, you made me violent. You are the one. My point is that the thing was there. <laughs> it just, you know, I was the one that helped you bring it out. You see, you get to know yourself. No, she's not really, I know you're not really violent, I know, but, but you get to know yourself. You get to know yourself more. Because you see, I often use this example. If somebody says, no, I don't want to get, I just want to know myself, I just want to know myself. If I gave you, if I bought an island, right, an island, gave you, that island belongs to me, I give you, go and stay on that island. It's not inhabited by anyone. Go and, it's not inhabited by anyone, just stay there. And you stay there for 10 years. How much of yourself do you think you know? Zero. Because you only really know yourself as it relates to people. Amen? And so you start knowing yourself more, two more things. You get to envision what it would look like in marriage with this person. You start to think a little bit ahead. All right, so what could we be? Because marriage is also about mission. What are the big things we would like to do together? There was a couple that, um, uh, I think I can say this, um, that they both work for church now. now. They were both doing well in their legal careers. But one of the things they had discussed before they got married was that both of them always saw themselves somehow in ministry. And so when the offer for the church now came, it made them go back to the thing that they felt God was already calling them to. And it was an easy decision. And then finally, get, you get to discuss important decisions on church, family size, where are we going to live. These specifics matter. Before you know it, you always wanted two. She always wanted six. Because in her family, there were just two. She always wanted more children. In your family, there were six. You always wanted few. 
Can you at least sit down and agree on four? The average, you know? <laughs> now you think it's a, but I'm telling you, I've seen the guy that ran away from his wife because she got pregnant again. You just see somebody in church carrying baby, she now starts holding you. The guy, leave me alone. It matters. Get this important decision. Which church are we going to go to? One of the most tragedies is when you see one guy, his husband, he's going to that church. The wife is going to another church. Could you guys not decide about that before? You see, when you start to know all of these things, remember, this relationship is for, it's to help you deepen your understanding of whether this person is to marry. So it pushes you to something. Should we get married? It ultimately helps you with that decision. Should we fully get full engagement or not? So, because it's that important, make sure. Don't prolong your relationship unnecessarily. Don't hide your relationship. Please, don't hide your relationship. Forget all these, the witches that are trying to attack you. Don't. They attack you much more when you guys are together than not, all right? And then involve godly, older, mature Christians from the outset to keep you accountable or to help give you relevant advice. I had to rush through all of those because time has really run out. In summary... Being a single person is not a curse. I can't, I can't emphasize that more than any other thing. You are not incomplete because you are not married. You are incomplete because you are not complete in Christ. You will not be fulfilled because someone needs to come and complete you and give you this thing. No. In fact, you have, someone said, we have an eternity-shaped hole in our hearts. Only God can fulfill that. And he's promised to do that through Christ when Christ returns. You have to embrace this if you are the kind of person that anyone should consider trying to marry at all. As you get more and more secure in your identity in Christ, you should also know that you have to prepare yourself. Be the kind of person that you want to marry. And that, and that means that you have to involve yourself in good community where you are able to live out sacrificial love. Don't focus too much on the marriage. Focus on being a good Christian and a human being because those things that you learn in that context will be applied in the marriage. And third, shine your eye. When you are looking, don't use abstract terms like God-fearing. Uh, make the abstract what? Use specific things in which you can use to discern who is a God-fearing person. I gave you about five, uh, ten of them. And then finally, if you are then in the relationship, don't allow it to be purposeless. It should be heading somewhere. I'm not saying that it always ends in marriage. I had a broken engagement before I got married to this wife of mine. It doesn't always end in marriage. But at least it starts with the possibility of marriage. And respect God's boundaries because they are the only things that make us flourish. Guys, if you do these things, I'm not guaranteeing all of you will get married because the Bible doesn't guarantee that. But if you follow on this pathway, you are preparing yourself to enjoy the best human relationship known to man. Amen. All right, that was really good. Femi, ah, you pulled that one out of the bag. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> okay, um, so thank you, Femi, for, for that. We're going to have light refreshments.
please stay here. They're going to bring them to you. And while we wait, we'll encourage you to get to know someone new. Um, ask, ask anyone with an afro what his <laughs> name is and um, how he got to know about this place. And please. Uh, oh, questions. Yes. Uh, so as the small chops are making their way around, uh, guys, feel free to send in your questions to the WhatsApp number. If you don't want to do that, send an email. If you also don't want to do that, there'll be paper and pens going around. And if you don't want to do all of those ones, you can ask your question live as well. So sit back, relax. Oh, Puff Puff is on his way. Thank yeah. you. questions i have papers here i know they're quite small so feel free to use the front and the back and ask for extra paper as well if you want to if you can also ask live as well <laughs> 